Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locker Room Talk Uncut. The first episode of an unedited, uncut sports podcast bringing you real opinions, real life, from real dudes right here in Dayton, Ohio. We're your hosts. I'm Drew Garrison. I am Chad Penrod. Welcome to episode one. Thanks for tuning in. Drew, let's get right to it, man. Let's do it. The national championship just happened. Um, What looked to be a good game at halftime, LSU and Clemson. LSU pulls away in the second half and pretty much embarrasses Clemson in that second half. Uh, your boy Joe Burrow. Yes, sir. Um, man, that guy is the real deal, ain't he? He is the real deal. And anybody that follows me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, or any other social media knows that is my boy. The man smoked a cigar with a hat in his lap that said Big Dick Joe. I need it in Cincinnati. Everybody wants it there. And he made, uh, what do they call him, Sunshine? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. They, he made him look like shit. He took a little bit early in the game. Um Kind of had a blitz package coming at him. They were throwing some things at him. Settled in. They figured it out, and he just balled out, especially that second half. Beautiful. Beautiful. I rooted like I was an LSU fan, even though I love Michigan. So, Drew, let's uh, let's start off right right off the rip here, man. What are you going to do when uh, probably the only franchise that would pass on a uh, talent like Joe Burrow oh, no. passes on a talent like Joe Burrow? There's no way, man. I, look, there's two franchises that could probably fuck this up. It's the Bengals, and it's probably maybe the Washington Redskins. There's no way. Joe Burrow's from Southern Ohio. He admitted to growing up a Bengals fan. Mike Brown doesn't give a shit about winning games. I get it. He doesn't care about anything but money. Joe Burrow's going to sell tickets. He's going to fill the stadium, even though Chase Young probably would too because he's a Buckeye. I, I just can't wrap my head around it. I think even the Bengals can't blow this one, and it's hard for that because I've watched the Bengals fuck up so many things, but they can't, right? There's no way. <clears throat> With that being said, though, if they do fuck it up, are you are you turning in that Bengals card, or what are you doing? You know, when they brought Marvin Lewis back on that two-year deal, which was two seasons ago, turned out it was a, a, a one-and-one deal after, after the fact we found out. I was vocal on Facebook. A lot of listeners might know that. I said I was done with the Bengals. I wasn't buying Bengals clothes. I wasn't watching Bengals games. I wasn't doing all that. And I did good for about two months. Unfollowed the Bengals on all the social media pages. Didn't talk about it. And then the draft started creeping up. I started getting a little bit more interest back in me. And they sucked me right back in for another year of Marvin Lewis. I think this is what it would take to finally make me be done. There's no Chase Young... As good as he may be, I watched him disappear for the last four games of the year, and a franchise can reset and restart and get re-energized with a quarterback, a confident quarterback nonetheless. They can't fuck it up, but if they do, that might be what makes me turn in my stripes. You know, I've seen a lot of things, you know, growing up through the days watching uh, college football, and uh, I've seen some really good quarterback play. I mean, uh, how many times did Tebow win the Heisman? What was it, three, four times? I think he won. I think he picked up two Heismans. Was it two? Two Heismans and two national championships, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and I've seen guys like Johnny Manziel. You know, being a Browns fan, uh, got to go back and look at a lot of his uh, his tape, and 
that dude was outstanding in college. And then, you know, you had guys like Deshaun Watson. But I don't think that I've ever seen a performance or a season quite like the one Joe Burrow had. I mean, the way this guy, you know, stepped up in the pocket and evaded pressure and, you know, most of those throws were just on a dime. You know, you Beautiful. You, you got to think that not even a team like Cincinnati can pass on this dude. And, you know, uh, you know, and you, you know, we're from Dayton. Um, you know, right down uh, from Cincinnati, right around the corner from Columbus. And you do have those, um, the Buckeye fans. You know, there's a lot of them out there that I really can't stand them. <laughs> but hey, you know, th- you know, a lot of them want Chase Young. They want Chase Young to come uh, down the street and uh, torture, you know, Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger and now Lamar Jackson. Um, and and you can understand that. I, I can. I, I I didn't see him torture Michigan. I didn't see him torture Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. I didn't see him torture Clemson. I, I, I just didn't see it. I mean, he okay, he opens up things for other guys. That's great. This is the number one overall pick. These are few and far between. You're not going to suck this bad next year. There's no possible way. And if you do, we've got even more major problems. You don't risk it. I watched Chase Young disappear. Maybe they out-triple-teamed him. Maybe they out-schemed him. That's fine. You can't out-scheme a quarterback that can put the ball on a dime. You know, and you've heard me say this comparison, and I want to give it to our listeners. And uh, actually, a lot of people on our Facebook have seen this because we're uh, we have gone at it. And uh, as you know, I'm a Browns fan. I mean, I think I've already said that, but um, I'm a huge Miles Garrett fan, even when he you know hits people over the head with fucking helmets and shit. Um, hey, I but, like that. We can come together for our hate for Pittsburgh. <laughs> but uh, you know, and I even think the outsiders. I think Miles Garrett is a. He's definitely an elite pass rusher. You know, he's top three, top five pass rusher in the NFL. Um, with that being said, in that same draft that Miles Garrett was taken was Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Don't now, remind me. Now, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say I didn't want Miles. And what I'm kind of saying is, you know, the Browns had two picks. The Browns could have taken Miles Garrett and had either one of those guys. But yeah, but. The Browns did take Miles Garrett over Patrick Mahomes. The Browns took Miles Garrett over Deshaun Watson. And with that being said, going back to the Chase Young and Joe Burrow comparison, I would give Miles Garrett back right now to have Patrick Mahomes or have Deshaun Watson as the quarterback, even with Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. I mean, I know you're a Baker guy, but, I mean, look at what Mahomes has done. Look at what Watson's done. I, the Browns are better than 6-10 and 10 last year if they had either one of those guys. Miles is great, but, man, that quarterback just impacts the game so much more. It's a passing league. The rules favor quarterbacks. They favor everybody in the passing game, receivers, tight ends, everybody. It's all set up for a quarterback. I I just don't get it. You do not pass on a guy like Joe Burrow, not after a season like that. You know, and uh, you and I have also talked about this, but um, the one concern that I have is the fact that he's only done it for one year. Yeah. Um, you know, but you don't throw 60 touchdowns by accident. No, no. And I watched a video, I, th- I think it was Nick Wright, um, who I'm going to go on record as the first reporter, commenter, whatever you want to call him, that I'll talk about on the podcast. I think he's a fucking clown. But I did agree with the – every year is not going to be 60 touchdowns, six picks, especially in the NFL. I get it. There is a concern that it was only a one-year flash – you know, he wasn't great last year. He was solid last year, but he got Joe Brady. He got a little bit more of, a, you know, a, an offense built around him, and he, he took off, and that's great. The The best thing about it is I'm not going to expect him to come in and set touchdown records his rookie year like actually your man Baker did. 
there is some concern, but all the intangibles are there. I, I saw a stat, and it was probably early in the third quarter of the national championship game, and I saw him do it a couple more times, so it went up. He is a quarterback, and he ran for 37 first downs at that point in the game, and I think he got a couple more after the game went on. So he scrambles well. He always finds the sticks when he scrambles. He gets to where he needs to be. That's an intangible that I don't think you can really get away from. I mean, Hey, I, hey speaking of reporters real quick, did you uh, – um, what what is the dude on uh, Fox Sports One goes at Baker all the time? Uh, Coward, I watched some Coward. Uh, Colin Coward. Uh, yeah. Did you see his comparison for Joe Burrow? Yeah, Tony Romo. I do not like that. I, I'm not a big fan of that either. I, I think he said his his floor is Nick Foles and his ceiling is is Tony Romo. I wasn't. I, I see some of the similarities, but I wasn't super super. Joe Burrow bad. is a lot more athletic than Tony Romo. Yeah, by far. By far. Good leadership skills, all that stuff. But he, he says, you know, Burrow's a, a good athlete, not a great one. I would tend to agree with that. But he is a better athlete than Tony Romo, for sure. Yeah, I, I, you know, I tend to agree with that. And I, I Tony was good. You know, Tony could just never win the big games. Yeah, and, and, and Tony dealt with some stuff that Joe might deal with early on in Cincinnati because Joe or, or, um, Dallas got a great line after Romo. They let, let, a great line. Let, let's get to that. Let's get to that. So, um, LSU was obviously by far the best team. Obviously, the Ohio State guy in me thinks, you know, we would have played them a lot better than Clemson because I think that Ohio State wins that game against Clemson well, nine Justin times Field, out of ten. Justin Fields sucked. Yeah, it is what it is. But so when Joe Burrow gets to Cincinnati, there's still not a line there. Yeah, I've been going back and forth with people on this online a lot. And you're right, the offensive line's not not great. But I want to point out when Cordy Glenn came back from his concussion and his holdout and his, his bickering with the Bengals, whatever it was, he came back and, and slided into that left tackle slot. Things got a lot better. Dalton was back in the game at that point. They were done with the little Ryan Finley. Cordy play. Glenn could be gone, though. Cordy Glenn's going to be gone, but Jonah Williams is the franchise left tackle we took in the first round. But can you, can you put all that on a rookie? Because – He's not going to be a rookie, but this is going to be his rookie year. I mean, he can play a snap. He's effectively a rookie. He he tore his quad and you know rookie mini camp. So I mean, it, it'll be effectively his rookie year. He's had a year around the facility rehabbing, maybe with his face in the playbook. But I mean, I think you do. Cordy Glenn's probably not going to come back. That got a little bit a little ugly, and I they can save quite a bit of cap money um, by letting him go. So he's probably not. You'll slide Jonah Williams in there. I like resigning Trey Hopkins at center. Um, as you and, and a lot of the people that have me on social media may know, I think Bobby Hart is a complete waste of space. He was a complete and total waste of $21 million, which I'll never be okay with. I could see that being upgraded. Both our interior guard spots, we had some guys rotate in throughout the year, in and out. Some good, some good experiences, some bad experiences. Billy Price sucks. He needs to go. He was a, a complete bust. He can't even play center. That's that's what happens when you panic. Detroit took Hank Ragnow and the Bengals panicked and took Billy Price. Yeah, but you can't tell that. You can't say that to Buckeye fans. I uh, no, Buckeye fans are very unrealistic and and you're a Buckeye fan, but we've even stated they thought Braxton Miller in the spring signing with the Browns was going to be the best thing ever and we both said he's not even going to make the team and he didn't. There's very unrealistic Buckeye fans if they also support the Bengals or the Browns. Anybody that has watched Billy Price play professional football in the NFL cannot tell me that he's good. Nobody. With that being said, Michigan fucking sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, 
Yeah, they do. Shea Patterson's a fucking loser. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's a loser. I hope you guys keep him around for a little bit longer. Uh, they're going to. He would have been fired by now. Uh, we got another year of this dumb shit. And I, I was a, I, I was so excited, so excited when he signed. I mean, over the moon, the rivalry's back, Woody and Bo and all that. Two things completely ruined Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, and I'll tell you what they are right now. We're switching topics quick. Hope you guys can keep up. The two things that broke Jim Harbaugh were – the fumbled punt against Michigan State. And you and I watched that together. I watched it in the car on the way to Louisville for our good buddy Josh Combs' bachelor party. <laughs> Michigan State fumbles that punt after Michigan ha- – or I'm sorry, Michigan fumbles the punt to Michigan State after beating them, setting the tone for what Harbaugh is about to do. They, they lose on a freak play, a once-in-a-thousand play. They break. Okay, fine. What really did it for Jim Harbaugh, 2016, against Ohio State. The overtime game. You remember that? The J- ga- when JT was short? The, oh, the game they're supposed to win. Yeah. Well, there, there's been a couple Ohio State games they're supposed to win. But 2016, the overtime game where JT Barrett, Ohio State fans say he got the first down. I still say he was short. Um that broke him. He lost his intensity after that. He wasn't the same guy. He was the guy that was getting fucking unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, breaking his headsets, throwing paper in the air, all that stuff, getting in the ref's ass, really firing the team up after a lot of that. That 2016 game, I really think it broke him. He hasn't been the same ever since. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, I don't understand how you keep a guy around like that when he's uh, got the same records as uh, Rich Rodriguez and who's the other Fuck, it, it sucked. It was Brady Hoke. It, it's better than the Brady Hoke era. The record are, is similar. Quality of teams have gone up. Things like that. But it's close enough to where he shouldn't be making $7.5 million. I will tell you that. And 0-4 against Ohio State has never happened for a coach of my beloved Michigan Wolverines. Ever. 0-4 never happened. He got 0-4 last season, and this past season he went 0-5. Mike Greenberg from ESPN, made a very good point that it was so real that I had to take it into consideration. He said Michigan is just not on the level of Ohio State. And as much as it pains me to say that, I, th- I think it's true, and it, they haven't been for a very long time. Michigan, I mean, Michigan's last, last national title was a split in 97 when they had the, uh, you know, the AP era and the BCS era. So I, I think that was a hard look in the mirror that I had to kind of sit down and reflect on and say, holy shit. He's right. We've got history, but it's fucking old history. Ladies and gentlemen, the life of a Bengals and Michigan fan right there. All right, Chad. So uh, enough of me bitching about the Bengals and Michigan and all the frustration and pain they caused me. Let's talk to another long-suffering Ohio sports fan about your beloved Cleveland Browns. Oh, Lord. I mean, this man has an elf tattooed on his leg. He's bought in. (laughs) He's there for life. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, another one of the young, good-looking, middle-aged ladies in the city that he represents will want to bang him. Good-looking, offensive-minded coach. How do you feel about him? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's first. Let's talk about one of my favorite sports figures in the world first. What went wrong with Freddie? I call him Freddie Bathrooms. But what went, what went wrong with Freddie Kitchens? Because the Browns fans and Baker Mayfield were hyped to have him when he got hired. So let's let's not get on the new guy yet. Let's talk about what happened with the old guy. <coughs> All right. Well, if you watch the end of the uh, the you know the, the was it 2000 
2017 or 2018, when Baker was a rookie, 18, you, 18. 2018, you would understand why they would hire Freddie Kitchens. You know, Baker sets the uh, touchdown, uh, passing touchdown record in a game and a half less than what Peyton Manning had it. Uh, you know, and Freddie's getting the nod on that. You know, Freddie's supposed to be the guy. He's the one that's, um, you know, supposed to, you know, take control of the ship and, and get us to where we need to be. Yeah, because he, he was, at that time, he got moved up from, what, running backs coach to uh, offensive coordinator at that time. I mean, I mean, they were having fun. Baker was throwing the ball to himself and then throwing it downfield. I mean, they had guys, you know, they, they played very weak competition that year. They finished with a, a good record after Baker came in and took over and got settled in, but they played a lot of weak teams. But, man, they were throwing bombs. Baker's throwing the ball to himself. There's all this cool, creative shit going on. People are like, oh, man, the Browns are coming. The Browns are here. And then he gets the job, understandably so, I think. I mean, he was he was definitely unqualified. He's in over his head. But Zach Taylor coaches the Bengals. He's the same way. But it just never got there this year. It nev- they never had the spark. I mean, they, they got drubbed. Well, I mean, you one. know, you go and get OBJ. You know, you go and get a, Olivier Vernon, you know, to solidify the defense. And the defense looks like shit. If Steve Wilkes don't go, I'm going to be uh, highly upset. Oh, yeah, you he's got to go. And, and Freddie, you know, Jarvis goes out into the media and he says that Freddie was more worried about plays than he was players, and that's the reason why, you know, the quick slants that you see seen OBJ take to the house when he was in New York, you know, and uh, getting – Jarvis should catch 100 balls. I mean, that's just the kind of player that Jarvis is. Easily. And, 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 you know, and Freddie's doing all this bullshit, where, you know, where the ball's being tossed around in the backfield three or four times, and, you know, he's handing it to the defense and shit. And, you know, the main thing with Freddie is look at the last game against the Bengals. Who's they quit. Two bro. and 14. They quit. They quit. They gave up. They didn't, even, they didn't even attempt to win that game, which I'm okay with now because, you know, we got a top 10 draft pick again. Was that mutiny? Was that players quitting on Freddie Kitchens? I think that I think that, that was the end of it. I think that that showed ownership. Um, hey, you know, this, this isn't the guy. Let's get a guy in here. Yeah, I think the players might have made a statement like, okay, we know if we lose this one to this shitty Bengals team, he's got to go. We don't want him here. He's too worried about this and that. Let's lay down. I mean, how do you have two players like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and you stop running the football? I, I just I don't oh, get I don't get it. I mean, Nick Chubb was should have been the leading rusher in the league and Henry took over. But it's because you're against the Bengals, who has you know a bottom three run defense, and you won't run the fucking ball. I didn't get that man because what Henry beat him by forty yards. He could have had it in the Bengals weeks game. ago. He could have had it weeks ago. I watched this guy have hundred yards and a half, and then halftime comes and Bre- Freddie Kitchen stops giving him the ball. We talk every day, texting, watching the games together. Like, what the hell is this guy doing, man? Exactly. And now you know. Now you know. You know. That's that's the answer. You know. That's why Freddie's no longer here. Um. As far as Stefanski goes, um, don't get me wrong, you know, what the guy's done with, you know, Minnesota, um, you know, last year, you know, getting them to the playoffs. I mean, I mean, the dude beat the fucking New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. At home, yeah. You know, and, you know, and he he led Kirk Cousins to a playoff win. You know, for the longest, Kirk Cousins was right there with Andy Dalton, you know. They're, they're average. They're, you know, they'll get you there. But now he wins a playoff game, you know, so – I, you know, I don't know. I still don't think he's that great. I'm not sure that'll ever win a Super Bowl. But you can look at the offense and you can see what Stefanski does. And what he does good is, you know, some of that Kyle Shanahan shit, you know, with that zone run, 
you know, and then when you get the run going, then you play action, and that's where Baker was. Yeah, I Baker mean, loves play action. If you if you look at Baker under center, he's so much better than he is in shotgun. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know if it's a height thing. I don't I don't want to say that, but Baker is so accurate that Stefanski could do something with him. But I, I'm at that point with the Browns now. You know, that that roster was so loaded. Now I'm at the point to where I'm just like. No, now you got to show me. You know, yeah, for sure. Like I, I, you had me hype. You, you know, coach this, coach that. And don't get me wrong, I wanted Freddie Kitchens, but I'm not the one running the show. You know, you could have had Stefanski last year and seen what he's done. You could have, yeah. I mean, obviously it wasn't the popular pick. The popular pick was probably you know McCarthy or, or Josh Dan, or Josh McDaniels. Um, but things about Josh McDaniels concerned me. You know, eh. this is the same guy that drafted Tim Tebow, no Sean Moreno, Peyton Hillis, you know, guys that didn't do much. So I, I didn't know we were gonna have a no Sean Moreno reference. Hey, you remember how that episode. guy do you remember how that guy cries? <laughs> yeah, dude. Fucking puddles. Biggest tear ducks in the fucking world. <laughs> now, my thing with McDaniels, and I, I I talk to you guys about it. You follow the Browns harder than I do. I, I follow them. They're in the division of the team I like. I like to keep up on them, but some of the changes that McDaniels wanted were big within the front office and the organization, but they may not have been bad because look how it's gone the last few years. I mean, should but, Dorsey but, have but been how, fired? But how do you say that to an owner? How do you tell an owner, hey, this guy and this guy that you know, you're know you fucking linked with, they got to be gone, you know? Well, yeah, but it's the same owner that was scamming truck drivers out of their money, the pilot. Like, uh, you know, he's, he's about his he's money. He's a businessman. He's <laughs> there for money. He needs to... Mike Brown asked. Mike Brown inherited his team. He got a team because his father was a legend and he died. But they both need to. Haslam and Mike Brown. Step back. Get football people in there and let the football people work. Don't draft Johnny Manziel because a homeless guy told you to. <laughs> that is actually a real story for the ones That's I didn't know. Very, that. very real story. If you ever watch Draft Day. Um, Great movie. Somebody apparently handed uh, Jimmy Haslam and uh, it said – on the, a little note, and on the little note, it said Johnny Manziel, no matter what. Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Three weeks later, I saw a picture of him passed out with a bottle of liquor on an inflatable swan in Vegas. Hey, I, you know, and while we're on the subject of Johnny Manziel, let's talk about uh, Billy Manziel. Do you remember that shit? Oh, my God, dude. That is one of my favorite sports stories. It took me so long to believe it because it was just so crazy and outlandish. But, yes, dude, one of the best sports stories in the world. I can only wish that there were pictures or videos that surfaced. So, get this shit. I don't know if you ever heard this part of it. So, I'm listening I'm listening to I – don't, I don't know what I was listening to, but they had Joe, Padon, Joe Badonio in there, the Browns' left guard. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. All, you know, all pro, pro bowler. And, uh, you know, he comes in um, – he comes into this podcast or, or whatever it was, and he's talking about uh, the Billy Manziel. And he says <laughs> that he goes to sleep, um, and Johnny Manziel's right next to him, said he roomed with him because yeah, they, they came roomies. in as rookies. Yeah. Um, said he wakes up, and Johnny is in another fucking state watching <laughs> watching a Spurs game. So there are, this is, what, training camp or – or on the road? Or? I, I want to say I think it was training camp. So <laughs> he's going to practice, going back to the room, waiting for Batonio to go to sleep. And he's catching a flight to San Antonio to go to the Spurs game? To get fucked up and... and watch the Spurs <laughs> while in training camp in Berea, Ohio? Yeah, so, and if you listen to Johnny tell the story, because he came out and ended up saying it, he ended up tagging his dog on Instagram. 
and saying that he was in Cleveland to make everyone believe it. Oh, I remember that. He put the location on that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so this dude goes to, to, I don't know, Hollywood or Vegas, wherever the fuck he was at, <laughs> and uh, puts on a fucking wig. Oh, it was it was Vegas. It was for sure Vegas. Puts on a fucking wig. This is, I mean, that's, you got to know, like, you are a professional football player making millions, and you're willing to just fuck up your whole life. That's when you are an addict, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you're an addict. Yeah, no, they said that he put on a fake mustache and a blonde wig, and then he ate dinner at a restaurant that's in like inside of a club in Vegas, I guess. You know, they got the club, and I guess they got a restaurant. I've never been out there. And this, they said he sat in a dark corner with his back to everybody else, didn't have cash, and asked for his bill to be comp so he didn't have to pay with his card, probably because he didn't want somebody snapping a picture of it, the waitress, the whoever, and posting it somewhere. <laughs> I mean, when you're when you're when you're that that I mean, you need help. I mean, Bad. that that is being a straight fucking addict right there. And I liked it, man. When he came out, I was like, dude, the Browns are gonna be fun. Because dude, in college, and the NFL game and college game is different. And that'll tell you that right now. Because Johnny was probably down in uh, College Station, Texas, getting fucked up, and then going out and throwing twelve touchdown passes in two games and balling out. But hungry. doesn't that show you the difference between? You know the, co- the the pros and, and and at the college level. Oh yeah, I mean that that is one thing. Now, that's an extreme. I mean, I mean, there's videos of Joe Burrow out at the bar drinking champagne with a, his big dick Joe hat on. He's partying. That's one thing, man. Twenty three years old, grown man, go out and have a drink, celebrate your national championship. That's fine. People are gonna see that. Social media blows shit up to more than it is. But Johnny, really, I mean, he cost himself millions and millions of dollars because he wanted to go to the club. It's like, bro. I, do you love football or do you love partying? But see, he came from money. Johnny Manziel's that, that was family, the problem. Johnny Manziel's family had oil money, <laughs> all kind like literally money from oil. So he came up doing whatever he wanted. He didn't get it out the mud like some of these guys are. Like I've been broke forever. I'm gonna fucking grind, get my money, get through my rookie deal, get my big contract, and fucking we're gonna be set for life. Johnny didn't have that. Johnny's dad owns like five car dealerships out there or some shit, you know. So he he went through life. Coasting by on his athletics, using mom and dad's money, doing whatever he wanted. He, so he just didn't appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and uh, th- and that's what happens, you know. And that's why you go to the XFL and you can't even make a fucking team in the XFL. And he got banned from the CFL. I mean, it's <laughs> like, that dude is a loose cannon. And, uh, and, and, and in all seriousness, his football career is done. We know that. He's battled with domestic violence with a, an ex-fiance, I think. And I think he got married or was engaged to another woman. And they're talking about her leaving him. I hope the dude gets his life together just for life. He's not gonna. He, he's got no future in football. That's fine, but I, no, you don't want to see anybody lose their life over that because that shit goes down quick. He's officially done. You know, yeah, but yeah. but but to answer your question, you know, with the uh, Kevin Stefanski, you know, I, I'm not jumping on any kind of hype train here. I'm playing the uh, wait and see. You know, that's all I, you can do. I mean, at this point, you know, I'm kind of just kind of over it. Honestly, I mean, obviously they're my team. No, I, I'm a Bengals fan, dude. I understand it. I know the people that run my organization. That's it. We got a new coach. He sucked this year. We got, you know, a new quarterback coming in. That's great. I just hope he's one of those transcendent talents that can overcome subpar coaching and absolute shitty ownership. I totally understand wait and see. And it's almost, I mean, we're still invested. We, we read about him every day. We talk about him every day. We wear their clothes every day. All that stuff. But, yeah, man, absolutely. I can just, I'm just kind of in that wait and see. No expectations. You can't let me down, but hopefully you build me up.
All right, Chad, coming up on Saturday, UFC 246. Going to be a good one, right? Yes, sir. Uh, Conor McGregor, the notorious one, makes his return to the ring against uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, I, I love Conor, man. And this is the part where I'll tell the people listening, I like to be very knowledgeable about the sports topics that I discuss. I am not a big follower of the UFC stories and all that. I like to show up when we watch the fights. We all get together for them. I like to eat some chicken wings. I like to drink some beer, maybe a couple White Claws if I'm feeling real frisky. Uh, And I watch people beat the shit out of each other. The people that I like in UFC are the Diaz brothers, McGregor, the guys that are loud. They don't give a shit what you think, and they entertain us. The technical side, the backstories, Chad will know a lot more about that than I do. I just like to watch people beat the shit out of each other and then see what kind of crazy shit they say after. So what... What is your prediction? How how is this fight going to go Saturday when Connor finally steps back in the octagon? I got a Connor either a knockout or TKO late first or in the second round. I think it could end as early as the first. This, um, you know, but I don't think it gets past the second. I just think Connor's just going to be too much, man. The left hand's just too much. You know, Cowboy's that fighter where you know he gets there, he'll have a big fight, and then. He, not that he doesn't show up because the dude's a badass. The dude loves to fight, but he just, he just can't win the big ones. Um, it gets to that point, and, uh, you know, he just he just doesn't show. So he's kind of, I mean, for a comparison for somebody that maybe knows a little bit more about college football, he's kind of like a, a Jim Harbaugh-type UFC <laughs> fighter. He just fucking shits the bed when it matters. Exactly. Fair enough. Much. You know, but I like Cowboy, you know. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Cowboy caught him. Just because that's just that's the fighting game, you know. You just never know um, with, with fighting. But hey, I wanted to ask you something here, um, or you know, kind of kind of switch, keep it on UFC. But um, when Nate Diaz fought Conor McGregor for the first time, did you know that was his first fight for a million? Yeah, that was his first fight where he crossed the million dollar threshold. I do remember that he came up fighting for, in comparison to to what other guys fighting for, he was fighting for peanuts, man. Yeah, well, get this though, so. The McGregor and the Khabib fight, and I heard Connor talking about this on in an interview. Um, Connor brought home fifty-five million dollars on a fight that was super hyped. You know, Khabib was undefeated. Oh yeah. You know, and Khabib that was great. I don't think Connor will ever beat Khabib. He thinks he will, but I don't think Connor will ever beat Khabib. I just think Khabib is just too much uh, on the ground. Um, but with that being said. He made fifty five fifty five million on that fight. That's insane. This this fight hasn't even been advertised that well. You know, there hasn't been that many, you know, uh press conferences or anything like that. No. Connor McGregor said in that interview that he's gonna bring home eighty million dollars. Are you shitting me? Eighty million? The most ever. Uh, by a UFC fighter. I, yeah, the, the, when he was fighting Khabib, man, it was everywhere. Commercials, social media. I mean, it was all over the place. I haven't seen a ton about it. I'm an ESPN Plus subscriber, so I get some alerts and stuff like that. But I'm I'm shocked at that, dude. That's so much. Dude, that's, that's an NFL player. That's an NFL quarterback's five-year contract. He said in the interview, you know, he said, they think I'm toast, but I'm really the bread. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did see that um, – and 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 I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan, not a LeBron fan, by the way. I I'm a Lakers fan. Um, but I, I watched an interview, part of that interview, where McGregor said that that something that's really helped him that he never did was he started following LeBron. Spends 1.5 million dollars a year maintaining his body, nutrition, fitness, all that stuff. Connor said, I wasn't doing any of that. He said I. I was preparing myself in camp. I'd bring fighters in in camp. I'd start fighting. I'd prepare myself that way. He's like, I've really started investing my money 
into maintaining my body constantly, year round. He said, and that'll just make me make more money. That's something that's kind of interesting because it's like, okay, I'll watch Connor be a badass and rock some people and do some really crazy shit. And like, he wasn't like totally invested. <laughs> like, holy shit. It's insane. And then, you know, he says in there too, he's not done boxing. Well, I'll tell you what, if him and Mayweather decide to run him back, I will not buy that $100 pay per view. No, they're going to run. It's going to be two dudes running around a ring. It's just. I don't know. That's that's just not my cup of tea anymore. Mayweather will whoop his ass. Yeah, yeah I mean, he doesn't need just... the box, man. He did it. He could say he did. He got a bunch of money off that. But I mean, no, man. That that wasn't that that wasn't worth the money when we watched it the first time. No, talked about maybe fighting Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then you know now if they were doing that, you know, with some UFC gloves, I'm shit. I'm all in. Oh, uh, Floyd but, in the ring, yeah. No, uh, but these but these boxing gloves, man. I just you know I, he stands no chance. He might think he might think that he does, but he doesn't like. To me, if Connor wins this fight, he's got two options. He needs to run either run it back with Khabib, yeah. or he needs to go fight uh, Jorge Masvidal for that BMF belt. Oh, that would be a good one. I mean, nothing else really makes much sense to me unless you want to run it back again with Nate. I mean, for a trilogy, trilogy. you know, one settle one it. settle it. Um, but other than that, you know, I think that's where Connor's at, though, man. I just. Connor's taken, I think he's been in a two or three year layoff. I could be wrong about that, but it's been a couple of years, you know, since he fought Khabib. And, uh, I, I, you know, I just don't know where he's at anymore. I, think that, I feel like that wasn't that long ago, but he I mean, he got at least a six month suspension because that crazy shit after. But it, it's like he's accomplished damn near anything you can accomplish at the level that he's at. I would like to see him run it back against Khabib. I don't think that he will because he. He may not know it, but his camp will be like, Dude, well, no, that's see, not how you want to see, Con- see, Connor actually wants it. Khabib uh, doesn't. Uh. Khabib said, you need to go win 10 fights and then come talk to me. Like, well, Connor's come on. not doing come that. On. Well, Khabib's not stupid either. He knows where the money's at. Like I said, Connor mm-hmm. McGregor's making $80 million himself <laughs> on this fight. So, I, so you can only imagine what his opponent's making. They're not making nearly as, as much as Connor, but I'm sure it's going to be the biggest payday of Cowboy's life. That's, that's oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, he, I feel like he's accomplished as much as he can. Well, I mean, a trilogy fight with Nate, yes, all in. Need that. I'd love it. I'd love. I would love the shit talking before. I'd love the press conferences. They would do it up well. It would fit right in my my wheelhouse as a very casual UFC fan. It would draw me in, and it would get my eighty bucks easily. I just I, I don't know, man. Khabib, I think he might beat his ass again. He doesn't stand to gain much from that. And then he could, uh, yeah, man. I, Go to BMF or, or or do something else, but it's just like, what else are you gonna do at UFC, man? There's no, there's nobody else that's gonna really challenge him crazily right now to to get the hype that they need. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you got other stars coming. You know, they're talking about him fighting Usman. Usman will kill him. He doesn't stand a chance with Usman, who just beat uh, Covington. I would like to see that again. See, I don't know, you know about those guys. Unless unless Masvidal is gonna come in, you know, and and fight Usman, you know, or Covington runs it back. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Um, but as far as as far as Connor goes, man, I just I, I cannot wait until Saturday and uh, you know see what he's about. And you know if is he going to have any ring rust? Is he going to you know is he going to lose? I doubt he loses. Like I said, I think it's a first round uh, TKO though. Yeah, I think so, man. It's going to be a good time. We're all going to get together and watch the fight. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you some content here. Follow us on uh, Instagram at Locker Room Talk Uncut. 
uh, Instagram stories, maybe some videos of us together watching the fight, what we think as they come down, maybe some live breakdowns. Um, this has been fun, man. I think that's going to about wrap it up for episode one. Uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, like it, download it, subscribe to it, throw it on when you're working out, driving to work, whatever you do. Um, you know, we've, we've had some, some real good support on, on, on some of the social media handles. So we, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, we're going to have new ideas. We're going to have a lot more content. We're going to have a lot of, a lot of really fun stuff to try to keep you interested, get you a different perspective, maybe from some of the stuff that you see all day. You know, some of the opinions you guys can read from us if you follow us on our social media accounts, all that good stuff. But we're going to, we're going to bring it all in. Um, we're going to do some call-ins. Um, you know, uh, I can get, get in touch with me, man. I, we'll, we'll set it up. We'll call you into the podcast. You can talk about what you want to talk about. I'll tell you if you're a fucking moron. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hey, like he said, you know, we want to talk to everybody, give everybody an opportunity to get on here and, uh, and be heard and, you know, voice your opinion. We can talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about as long as it's sports. No political bullshit. None. Uh, you know, we don't give a fuck about any of that. Yeah, man. Come on out. Come see us. Um, any info on tickets? Um, like I said, follow us on social media. A lot of you guys know us. Get with us on Facebook. Uh, you want to be a call-in, send us a direct message, maybe a little bit of an idea of what we want to talk about. Uh, we can definitely do that. We're, we're always available, man. We love to engage with you guys. We're going to we're gonna try to get you good content on the internet while you're waiting between podcasts. So once again, we appreciate it. Uh, tune in next time. Locker Room Talk Uncut. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.